I told God, just trust me. And God, the students here, let this be an inspiration for them. Let them see that this this is our teacher, but this is what he does after work. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? Hello, my name is Gerald Cheney. I am a Chicago Public School, high school, English language, arts, drama, history teacher. Black educators' lives matter because we are the mirror. We are who our students see. We are who our students want to be. And we are who our students like. That's the best way I can describe that. <laughs> yeah, we are our students eight hours, hopefully 24-7. Yes. Tell us about your experience to becoming a Chicago public schools teacher. Are you from Chicago? You know what? Thank you for asking that. This is my story. This is my song. Well, I'm also a, mu- a musician. Um, I'm originally from Indianapolis, some friends invited me up for a choir concert. We came up during the weekend. I've never seen buildings this tall. In Indianapolis, our tallest building is like 50 stories. So I was in, I was just, I fell in love right then. And I thought, look at all this possibility. Look at all these opportunities. Where are the black people? That was my first question. And the friends in the car said, hold on. We whipped around the corner. We hit 63rd. We hit 47. And I remember them laughing at me because I said, I'm home. Yeah, I found part of Indianapolis right here. I'm good, y'all. I'm good. And the car just got quiet. Just quiet. You know, they knew. They knew because they'd been here before. But I decided when when we came back, when we hit Indianapolis, I said, um, I'm thinking about moving there. Yeah, I'm thinking about moving there. Um, And then the wheels start turning. And I kept thinking, I went to about nine to five every day, and I was right across the street from the Greyhound bus station, the old Indianapolis Greyhound bus station, Um, looking out the window every day, Gerald, go and buy that ticket, buy that ticket. Now, come on. It only took me the whole day to figure it out. Do it. I walked out of out of work, clocked out, walked over to the bus station, said, I want to get another ticket. I'm going to get a ticket back to Chicago. Got the ticket. On a weekend, came back up here, got checked into a hotel, and then just checked out the city and decided, you know what? You need to finish your education up here. So that's what I did. I gave two weeks' notice, moved up here. Unfortunately, found out. Well, not unfortunately. I'm going to change that word. Um, Fortunately, found out that um, the school system that I was applying for required some more credits if I was going to substitute teach. So I you were deficient. That's what we call that up here, deficient in credits. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, deficient in credit. Yes, yes, that's it, deficient in credit. 
So a friend of mine, actually, he was a frat brother. He said, look, don't worry about how long you stand with me. Just get this together because was, this was a surprise to you. Well, that took some of the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enrolled in um, City College in Chicago, started working on those credits, got a temp job, and just basically, to make a long story short, worked my way up to getting those credits. Then I decided, you know what? Just go on for it, George. You're already up in the system now, the education system. Go on and get your BA, double major, English, language arts, secondary education, and move on in. Just move on in and start applying. So that's the story of how I got here. What that's were you doing? What? Where did you work? Not necessarily the company, but what type of work were you doing when you worked across from the bus station and you were looking outside every day wishing that you could get on that bus? What type of work were you doing? You know what? The minute I say this, everybody at that at that at that company is gonna go, "Oh, shout! He gave us a shout out! He gave us a shout!" <laughs> okay, I work for um, an insurance company. There it is, right there. And I worked in agents accounting, so I was looking out for their money. The, the eight people in the office, we were looking out for the money. And I have to say this. I always believe in thanking, first of all, praising God, okay, and then thanking people who saw what I needed to do and pushed me in that direction. I had a boss, and I went and told her, and she didn't tell anybody. She knew what was going on. I sat down. I told her, I said, I got to do this. And she said, oh, this is what she said. I've been waiting on you. I've been waiting on you to tell me that. You can have the day off. Go do it. So the reason why I say the day off is because she was giving me days to come up here and perform. I'm, um, I'm, I work as, um, like I said, a musician. I got a chance to do a national anthem for a Chicago Cubs game. And that was the launching pad there for the music part of me here in Chicago. So I was coming up here for a purpose. The path, the the door was open. The highway was, I'm going to call it the expressway. Mm -hmm. It was right there. All I had to do was get off the ramp. You know, just yield on into the traffic and go on on by my business. That was it. I'm getting a little full. Okay, go (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That that is a blessing though to know that you yeah. had a boss that looked out for you because yeah. as an HR yeah. professional, it's really important mm-hmm. to me to see the whole person. So shout mm-hmm. out to the, to your boss that allowed mm-hmm. you to get on that expressway with no barriers. Yes. yes, exactly. Yes, and that's what she did. And then what she do? She called me when I got back. She called a meeting, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, you know, you know, folks." She's calling him into the, into the conference room. And we were just sitting there. I, I told the whole story. And we were, she was like, okay, let's put our faces back on. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. We keep those faces and go on back out. But it, it was vicarious for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a musician too, or is a musician. She's still alive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and the thing is, we had no idea we were musicians when she hired me. Mm. There's the blessing right there too. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you, uh, so now we understand how you fell in love with Chicago. You mentioned that you had an opportunity to sing the national anthem at a Cubs game. Talk to me about your singing experience in Chicago, specifically at sports events. Uh, My sister, when I got to Chicago, 
Actually, my sister came with me. Brenda, love you. Love you. I got to give a shout out to her, okay? Because she's always been there. We took an Amtrak train. No, I'm sorry. We took the Greyhound bus. It, it was a lot going on. You did Amtrak and Greyhound somehow. But all of that worked out. So we jumped train to bus, got here, jumped in a taxi. We got to see Lakeshore Drive. Very nice. You know, just, again, small city, but all of these amenities that you see here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and from my eyes, I actually got to see just everybody. I got to see the world. That's the only way I can describe when I look at, 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 at um, I call them skin hues, okay? Just brown, tan, white, black, everybody walking along Lakeshore Drive and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Enjoying the water, the water. Okay. Um, so anyway, we got to 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 um, we got to Wrigley, did the game, and then we had to get back because there was the only train coming back. But that was my ex- uh, first experience in Chicago with a sports team. Exactly one hour on the north side with the Cubs. One hour to get back to the train. And then the rest of the time back to Indianapolis. And I decided then, you know what? This is going to be your second home. With the way things work, talking again about that expressway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the expressway, the Bulls called. Uh, we saw you at the Cubs game. Would you like to sing for us? Right then and there, I was like, you know what? Space opportunity, I'm out. You all gone. Mm-hmm. Love you, Indianapolis. <laughs> Love you. Because if I don't do this now, I will not do it. And this is a story and a message for whomever is listening. Danielle, I did not ask anybody, so what do you think? Should I do this? No. Mm. No. I was gone. Okay? I told the most important person there in Indianapolis, my mama. Okay? Mm-hmm. I told her, this is what's happening. And she said, that's an opportunity. Baby, I remember she said, baby, I love you. If you and then she said, and she and my daddy said that if you ever need to come, well, we're not even going to say that, but you know what we're saying. And I knew what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And you can always go, I'm like, mm. but they knew. They knew. Um, anyway, um, so worked with them, worked with the Bulls, and then the Bulls led to the Bears, and then the Bears led to the Sox. And I've been with the Sox a number of years now, a number of years yeah, and they're very good to me, and they're a very good family. And I'll say this. This is the time with education, Danielle. When they found out that I was going back, when the Sox found out that I was going back to get my degree, I realized that they were my family because when they would call to ask me, are you available, they would also say, do you have a class? Yes. And if I said yes, yes. if I said yes, they said, well, nope. They just cut it off right then. It wasn't, well, can you cut class? Yeah. Let's try another time. So I'm sitting waiting on, on on the national anthem, God bless America, the Negro National Anthem. I'm sitting in my green room and what I'm actually doing is writing a paper. Now that they gave me that much leeway, that much time. Because you know, with baseball, you never know when the inning is over. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you know, so and they would actually text me, How's it going? And then, then what I found out was a a number of, of, of work, of a number of the staff are former teachers or are still teachers. So there was a conversation going on right there. We're sharing lesson plans, ideas, 
all this is going on during the summer. Yep. Yeah. That's that that yeah. is that that's a layered statement right there. Number one, that teachers are everywhere and they are yes, always yes. thinking about teaching. But number two, that so many teachers have second jobs. Yes. And yeah. that they have to have yeah. second jobs. So like that's what I said. Like that's a that's a layered statement and message right there. It really is. It says a lot about, yes, a lot about teachers' lives, yeah. what students, what parents don't see. Yes. You know, yeah, all they see is that eight hours, and they may see us in the store, and then they're shocked. <gasps> Teacher <laughs> shops. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of shocks, speaking of shocks mm-hmm. and dealing with the, the humanity of you as a teacher, so now you're an educator. You in Chicago. You've worked with all of these um, sports organizations singing specifically the national anthem. What was going through your mind when Black America was taking a knee? And not even just Black America taking a knee. When people on behalf of Black America and everybody else who has been unjustly killed by the police were taking a knee. What was going through your head? Okay, and thank you for, for, for asking me what's going through my head because it's still there and it's like a film reel. So if you don't mind, can I give you bullet points? Yes, you can. Okay, thank you, my cousin. Can I, do I, can I mention names? I don't know. You know that. No, yeah, of course. You can share. Because I love him. I love him. I love my cousin. Okay, and again, he was one of those black men who who was one of the first black men to graduate from 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 college, and the, both sides of the family were just proud, proud of this day. But his name is Keith Anthony Cheney. Okay, Kappa Alpha Psi, Kaepernick, Kappa Alpha Psi. When Kaepernick did what he did, I realized, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Daniel, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've seen this before now. It's just when they're telling me to get on the field, because I have, you know, everything is very codified. It's, it's very structured there. 90 seconds before that, you have a minute to get on the field, get the mic level checked, all that's going on. But I'm like, wait a minute, somebody's me like, I like that. Get the time before happened. I didn't know what was going on. Okay, I just saw somebody do that. Or I saw somebody sitting. I'm talking about athletes working from my vantage point, people in the stands sitting. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, they're expressing their feeling. I get it. I get it. Now, bullet point, black men in my family, military. The black man in my life was a police officer. My daddy, attention is being paid to what he did. And I understand what he did. I totally understood that and understand it because, Daniel, my daddy told me, look, there is a group in the organization that sees the color of your skin and is going to react negatively to it. Always be in the right. Follow the law. If something happens, this is what you do. There was no time to me to say, but daddy. That's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. No. 
and it's in every organization. There's a group that wants that, that wants to, to 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 just they have another agenda. That's the only way I can put that. That's the only way I can put because we we know we understand we get it we know how to move around it under it over it through it if we have to. Okay, you can tell I grew up around activists. Okay, mm-hmm. so. And it was actually my father, daddy. I don't say daddy, I say daddy. Okay, that's just the way he and I worked. But he's the one who suggested that I start doing the national anthem. He said, just do the first verse, the first verse. And his reason was, you have been given a gift. There are a lot of songs out here that people are singing that have, what was it where he said, a racist foundation. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. And, you know, it got cool. He and I talked and it got quiet. But he said, you just do that. Just do that first verse. And he said, but as many times you do the national anthem, you double up on the Negro national anthem. Come on, double up. Come on, double up. Yes. He said, double up on it. And he said, and then do God bless America. He said, he said, chase it. I'm sorry. He said, chase it with God bless America because he said, baby boy, that's your prayer. Mm. So, with Kaepernick, I understood what he was doing. I understood why he was doing it. But at the same time, I have a respect for our law enforcement because who's the first person you call? Who's the first person 911 sends? A police officer. And the majority of them are there to help. It's just that little, I can't even say it's 1% that gets the attention. Well, everybody else is helping. Mm-hmm. Everybody. I mean, there are times when I walk outside the Sox Stadium, I'm say it, or outside of outside of events, period. And I'm happy to see police. Why? Because they're there to serve and protect. Mm-hmm. And you know, with things going on the way they've been going on, you know, with stuff, you know, they're there to serve and protect, and they're there to watch. There's actually a picture of me sitting down in front of one of the stadiums, and I, it's not my time to go in the press area, yet, so I'm just sitting there. And there is a, 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 a police officer, remember about three years ago when everything was happening? Mm-hmm. With Laquan McDonald? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. And he's standing there with, with um, um, not a rifle, automatic, just standing there. And I'm just sitting there with him, and I got the, I thought, I'm like, wow, I wonder if people walking by are looking at this black man sitting next to this white police officer with his bulletproof vest on, with an automatic, and if anybody, not ego speaking, but does anybody recognize me? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's, that, that, that can be, that for me, that was just humbling. Just humbling. Because I'm pretty sure most of them didn't. But it was just the idea. Oh, and I've forgotten that the dog was there. And I gave the dog a look. You know, the, the, the German Shepherd was there. We were like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, just, we just looked because I, I gravitate towards animals. Did I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. I'm a teacher and a talker. Okay. <laughs> yes. You did answer my question. And you gave me two more questions from that okay. question that I'm actually going to ask you. So one of them is about your experience as a black man, because when you were talking about sitting next to you as a black man, sitting next to this armed white police officer and what that image 
could represent for people, two things came up, especially for you as a black male educator. First question would be, what are your thoughts on police officers in schools? So that's the first question. The second question, unrelated but kind of related, is as a black male educator, what is your experience? So just so, yeah, two identity type questions from that one still image of you sitting next to you as a black man sitting next to this cop and what that image might conjure in people's mind. So the first one, cops in schools, not talking about deans. I'm not talking about disciplinarians. I'm not talking about the assistant principal that manages behavior. I'm talking about cops in schools. What are your thoughts? Thank you. Cops in school is the first question. My um, second teaching, I used to substitute. I was a building sub. My first job was building sub. Okay. Um, no, no cops in the school. My second job was at a, a, a southern, um, well, south, south suburban um, Illinois school. And we had sheriffs. We had the township or the, 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 the burbs, police officers who were either getting ready to go to work, who were just got off work, who wanted like an extra four hours and then, you know, getting that OT. Mm-hmm. So I remember counting 10 in the school one day and there were maybe like about 2000 students in that school. Everywhere you went, they were present. And that's when I remembered. And I, I, to this day, I still remember Glocks on their hips. Yep. Yeah, blocks. And I just kept moving about my day. I just kept moving. And all of us just kept moving. And there were very few incidents. If anything happened, it was always after school. And I, I think with that word always, if something happened, it was after school. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was usually away from the school because students knew if I do this on school property, I'm in big trouble. I might get so, shot. Yes, 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 yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I did notice this too. Um, um now wow, now you maybe think about um the 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 um people who were protecting were African American. Yeah, they were African American. Mm. And yeah, um male and female. Male and female. Was um, the student body uh, primarily black? Yes. Yeah, the student body was about ninety percent black. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ninety for yes, sure was. Uh, but um, I felt nothing ever happened. Nobody, ever, you know, nothing ever jumped off in the classrooms because, and, and and the students were orderly in the hallways because the presence was there. So do you think that, because when I hear that, I imagine being in a police state as opposed to having buy-in to the norms of the classroom, like I, or even the building or the school. Like, I wonder, is it like, well, our students have such strong social-emotional connections and interpersonal skills that they really talk their problems out. We have, you know, like we have a peer jury where they talk about these things. Well, we they don't have to use 
physical conflict to resolve their issues mm-hmm. anymore? Or is it like, no, nah, they just wait till they outside of the police? Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because you're talking about social emotional skills and learning. Uh, um, we had a principal who believed in balance. And I'll say this, her baby was one of the students. Um, um, but she believed in peer jury. She believed in the counselors being present. And she always stressed that in our, in our, in our school, um, complications. If something's going on, just tell a teacher, don't let everybody see that you're doing it, but go to it. If it's you walking down the hall and you just walk past the teacher and say, I need to talk to you. We were on alert. Who was that? We'll go to know who was that? She said she needs to talk to somebody. So she was very proactive with students, social, emotional learning, with um, students' well-being, and with the teachers' well-being. So it was it was a, a very it was a very supportive climate. It seems it was like where, where, yeah. where we're even. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I said it sounds like it sounds like it, it was balanced, like you said. She believed right. in balance. It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, she believed in balance. She was a mother. She believed in balance. She did. And um, it was to the point where um, after a while, what we noticed was the students were actually speaking to the the officers. Yeah, they were speaking to them. So they were part of the community. Yes, yes, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've seen that before. Like I have um, in schools that I've worked in, even the school that you and I worked in together, there was um, a police officer who was present, who was a part of the school community. So it's very, very, very possible. I just was really curious on some of your experiences with police in the building. This is just one of many stories, and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter and visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.com. Now, back to our conversation. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is what they found out now. Some of them start coming to the games, okay? (laughs) And they're like, wait a minute, brother. I remember mean, I said, wait a minute, bro, pull me to the side. I was trying to get to my class. <laughs> and that's all he said. He said, that's you, right? And my ego clicked in because I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. Is he talking about what he saw last night? Or is he talking about the, one of my kids getting a scholarship? What, what's going on? Right. Like, exactly. Yeah, because, you know, you don't want a job to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, but I said, help me out. And he said, the game. I said, yeah, that was me. Okay. So the word got around. But we had a talk. I have to tell you this. We had a talk as far as an experience as a black man. I'm going to move into that if that's okay. That's the perfect segue. Because especially okay. with that, that's you, right? So talk to me about your experience okay. as a black man. He and I had a talk because, and it was a little later on, I'm leaving school. And I got to get my 10,000 10, steps in. So I had until 4 o'clock to catch the Metro back to the city. As I got near the Metro, 
there was a, uh, uh, and see, I don't want to say, because then people go, oh, we know where that is. <laughs> but I'm just going to say, I went in a store, and there was a strip mall. I went in the store, and then when I came out the store, because I wanted my little snack to carry me through that hour commute back, <laughs> uh, ran across the little four lane. It's really, it was really a highway with a median in the middle, and was going up the parking lot to go to the train. And just blue lights hit me everywhere, <gasps> everywhere from the back, the front, they pulled in front, they were on the side. And I kept thinking, wow, no, this, this is me. I'm being boxed in. And I remember the police officer getting out. There were three black police officers. They were behind. I turned real quick again. Remember I said my daddy's training. Mm-hmm. And it came to my mind, just do what they say. Okay? Mm. They got out. They were walking towards, you know, the stance is be ready to grab. The white police officer who pulled in front of me got out, opened his door, and I could see he was he had he had already grabbed. He was just ready to just lift it up and pull. The the black police, one of the black police officers came to my, around my, I'll never forget this, came around my left. And the white police officer said, there was just a robbery at a store and you fit the description. That's when I bit my lip and I'm like, don't do that because he can use that as an as a excuse. Mm. He moved. Mm -hmm. He moved. I felt threatened. <laughs> okay. And the police officer to my left, the brother said, don't you see he's a teacher? And he pointed to my lavalier, lanyard and lavalier. And then when I looked at him, I realized that was one of the brothers who was at the school every day. Wow. Saving grace. And that's what, yeah. Saving grace. Wow. Saving grace. So when Kaepernick takes, Kaepernick takes a needle, I get it. I get it. And this was right before he did that, right before Kaepernick started kneeling. Okay, so that was my experience there. Um, I've also been in a situation where I've been at um, events, just waiting to, because um, again, I have to enter at a certain time. Um, and I always like to be early because you just never know what happens because majority of the time I drive, but not in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um because this is a little humor here because I'm like a go ahead, go around driver. Go on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I got my role going here, y'all. I'm good. <laughs> yes. I'm, you know, but but um um so I'm sitting there waiting and two guys walk past. And you know how you look you look up at people, your eyes don't lock, but you see each other and you're going with your lives. And I had like a minute to go. The one guy looked at the other guy. They looked at me. And then the one guy said, you got your gun? My experience as a black person or as a black man, as a black educator who had just left the classroom and some of my kids are coming to the game because they told me they work at this facility. Okay? My focus is there. But now I'm thinking, are they going to, am I, and what, what are they saying? What, what, I just heard him say, he didn't say you got some gum. 
he said, do you have your gun? Because I saw his look. I know that look. Right then and there, I'm thinking, okay, it's security on them because they're supposed to check everybody at these gates. Now that they've seen me sitting here, what? After oh, say, can you see? Are those my last words? The reality of it, but you keep that was one night where I really just, I prayed like I always do. I told God, just trust me and God, the students here, let this be an inspiration for them. Let them see that this this is our teacher, but this is what he does after work. Okay, but I just thought about that that whole night. I mean, after I left, you know, by the last free to home of the brave, mm-hmm. that was a real quick brave and a real kick it off that field. Because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to wait, you know, for the camera people to say, come on, you're done. Because I didn't know that they do a whole thing behind me. I didn't know that. I didn't mm-hmm. know how, you know, I can't speak all that. But yeah, but I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I called in the next day because I didn't sleep that night. Because I was thinking, you know what? Media will cover this. And Daniel, I don't mean to be mean, but you said my experience as a black man, okay? Mm-hmm. My experience as a black educator. And my whole thing is, I want my students to see that you can do this. And this is my story. This is my song to them. And I will tell them, I'll say, okay, quick. If some of them recognize, they'll go, I'll say, you want to have a few with me right quick? I'll tell you how this happened. You know, I, I won't tell you my contract and everything, but I'll just tell you how this was doable. It's a teachable moment. Ask me the questions. Ask me the questions. And, but I've never told my students that. Well, they don't know now. But it, it, it's life. It's life to it's life to 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 them. I mean, think of what they go through. Some of them go through just to get to school, just to get in front of me, in front of the principal, in front of HR, in front of administrators for eight hours. Think of what they're going through right now. I have no idea what those kids are going through. Hopefully, they're doing my work. Okay. <laughs> I know that they uh I I I have no doubt that everybody misses schools and I know that they are all involved on online learn, learning which is coming next week cuz everybody okay. has access to, you know, yes. some form of technology. And that leads me into my next question for you as a teacher. Why is it important to have art, drama and music programs in school? music programs in school because and I learned this from from my um from my mentor when I was working on all my um degrees um art music and drama when you get in the classroom and you incorporate that in a lesson it democratizes everybody everybody is equal and when she said it i kind of got an idea what i was thinking was okay yeah we're gonna get up and we're gonna do some shakespeare that's nice but what i'm learning now is students walk around with this box in their hand or this 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 rectangle in their hand all day and they've got it connected to their ears so they're absorbing like you said music drama, the arts, and most of them are doing that through just the videos that they watch. So they're learning rhythm, they're learning rhyme, they're learning couplets, they're learning iambic pentameter, 
they're learning if they're watching for those who, who, who learn visually they're watching um how to how to set a scene for those who are into ge I like to say geometry um they're learning the the, the um, angles circles they're learning how to put a set together you see what i'm saying they're learning all of that so when i stand in front of them and say you know what today we're going to learn plot development Let's take this video that just hit. Can't now they know me. No degrading of women, no cursing, no dropping through the floor, all none of that. Okay, it's just gotta be a video, a video with a message. And we dissect it. There's our vocabulary word for today. Let's dissect this. What do you see? And I get again my different types of learners. The visual, this is what I see, audible. This is what I heard. There's my musicians. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm feeling. They're my actors. So that's how I really feel that music, art, drama, and even dance, because we got our dancers in the classrooms too. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the dancers. Dance and movement is so important. Yes, yes, yes. If we look at the dancers, that's rhythm spacing, facial expressions, drama, all of that is right there with that dancer. Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to the dancers. Yes, yes. Um, I, you know, I even think, I even tell my students, because I taught a group of athletes. That was my fourth period. And it was female and male athletes. And it was a reading class. I brought in a picture one day. And it was me, it was me back in the day. And I was in a ballet class. And I, you know, I gave him about a minute to get over it. (laughs) (laughs) But it was when we got down and got to talking, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, the focus became you need a dance class if you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, flexibility, agility, rhythm, the track, you know, so students on the track one of the students in the class said you know what um i'm a hurdler and um you're on the floor right now and you've got one leg bent behind you and the other leg is facing forward and you you're leaning forward he said that's what coach says we have to do it that's going to be a good stride over the hurdle i'm like yeah mm-hmm. man. yeah this was we're stretching in ballet, and it was. And then one, one, one female said, "She said, wait a minute, those are all males.'" I'm like, "Yeah, it was a, it was a dance class. It was a ballet class for male athletes at the university. All the coaches told us we had to take this class. Yeah. So hopefully, a lot of them went on and, and took a class. Took I hope class. so. Yeah, because that's just so important. And I even think. In schools, a lot of times we remove those art, drama, music, dance programs. And in addition to removing the classes, it's not like we folded those components into the curriculum. We just like totally stripped those things from school. And it's like they are needed. So I wanted to make sure we had a moment to celebrate and highlight the importance of those art forms in schools. Are there any black educators that you want to thank like as you think about your own journey, were there any black educators that either taught you or that helped you when you um, became an educator? Like any peers? Oh, okay. Um, I have to give 
big shout out and thank you to my cousin and my auntie, mother and daughter. Okay, cousin, um, she graduated from Indiana State, Indiana State University, and from what I remember, she was the first African American female teacher in the family, that side of the family. And I just watched her enjoy what she was doing. I watched her the four years through college and then watched her get her master's and then watched her start teaching. And I was like, I want that. And then she, with her mother pushing her, her mother retired and went and got her teaching degree. And her mother um, took a, um, a, what do you call it, the, the church. The church went to, the missionary group went to Ghana for about three weeks. She didn't come back. She stayed and she opened up a school and ended up being the principal. She was over there for about four years. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's a shout out right there to Tony Harris and Venice Harris. So, um, yeah, that's the story and that's their story and song. When I, I, I went to an audition for a musical at school and in college and, you know, I just want to be in chorus and, um, they put up the list and I was the lead and I thought maybe there was a mistake mm. and it wasn't. And that was my freshman year. So that shout out goes out to Winona Fletcher because she taught me that you can do the academics, but you're always going to need that release. You're always going to need it. And the release is again, the arts. So because I was one of those students who now I see I had an IEP. Now I see it. Mm. But I knew how to cover it up because the saving grace was I was always going to an art class. I mean, you know, you know, music, drama, so I could get my fuel going again, get filled back up and then yeah. go on back and take that next year. Yeah. So there's the next year. But um, she helped me, and um, the, the man who gave me my first job, principal who gave me my first job out of school, Brendan Conroy, I think he was at St. Regis. He may still be over St. Regis Catholic High School. You know, you look at people who give you a chance. They just give you a chance, and that's a tie-in right there. And you, you'll know. Mm-hmm. You know at, at Christ the King Jesuit College Prep, that was my first job. So, yeah, there have been a number of people, you know, and it's like I said, you can't name everybody. So I'm just going to say if I was if I was if I walk past you every day in the hallway or you in your office and I gave you a thumbs up. That was to say, I see what you're doing. Thank you for including me in this mm-hmm. in this process. And like I said, I can't name everybody. Oh, and Denise Fields and Erica Whitehead at Young Women's Leadership Charter School. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Cynthia Levy and Cynthia Hudson at, at I'm going to say, Rich, Rich South, okay? So mm-hmm. I look at people, and you just look at people who encourage you yeah. and push you along. And if they see that you need development, they'll help you out. Yep. They will help you out. You know, it's not about, okay, you're fired. Nope, we're not going to get into that foolishness. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> then my sister's gonna call and say, I heard what you did. I know. <laughs> but just people who, yeah, um, you see what I'm saying? They're just there for you. Oh, and Mike Norwood, Michael Norwood. You know, teaching can be a, a, a female, a, a, a female dominated. Um, I call it. I still use the word process because that's what it is. It's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. Mm-hmm. But I remember that my first class, he was my instructional assistant. And shout out to the me. instructional assistants. I'm sorry. What? I said shout out to the instructional yeah. assistants. Yes, yes, they're there for us. For everybody in that classroom, they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to say they they got psychology degrees, everything, mm-hmm. all that going on, doctor, nurse, everything. Yes, yeah. yep, yes. I love it when I see an instructional assistant come in. I'm like, hello, how are you doing? Let's talk. Yep. You want to do lunch? Yeah, we go. I know we did it yesterday, but you want to do it again today? It's on me. <laughs> You know, <laughs> thank you. But but he was the football coach, too. Mm. Well, he and I had it together. You know, we had this word called GOALS, the acronym GOALS, go out and live successfully. Yes. And that's what we would tell the students. That's what it was. Yeah, that's how every day they walk out and we say GOALS. They go GOALS. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. I think that is brilliant, Mr. Cheney. Thank you so much for joining us and telling us about your experience. And you really went deep. Like you allowed me to ask you a lot of questions. So I just really want to thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing all of that. Well, thank you. This has been a blessed day and a blessed Sunday. And you know you're a blessing. You know that. I always say that to you. You're a blessing. (laughs) Oh, and I'm going to say this real quick. Majority of the women I just mentioned... Are your sorors? Okay, we're going through. All right. Thank you, Mr. Cheney. But wait a minute, because because before we sign off, I want to give you a chance to um number number one say what fraternity you are in because you mentioned being in a fraternity, but you never said what fraternity. I also wanted to ask, give you a chance to mention your alma mater and where you graduated from, and um. So those two things. Oh, and if there are any other projects as a musician that you are working on or that you would like to share for 2020 and beyond. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm a proud member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I'm a graduate of Northeastern Illinois University, secondary ed English. And any other projects that you are working on for your music or any any announcements or anything? Um, we're waiting on the sock season to get started. But, you know, they told me we want you back. I'm like, OK, I'll be there for you. I'll be there. But I've had other organizations around the, the states who are saying we want you, too. So I do a lot of traveling, a lot of traveling. Those are, That's my weekend thing. That's my gig. Um, and it could be conventions. Um weddings yeah i'm there i'm doing that but um i do want to give a shout out to uh, steppenwolf for young adults and the august wilson monologue competition um and the viola project those three steppenwolf they work with high school students they'll 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 select a play that's youth oriented and that's socially relevant and culturally relevant 
okay? They'll get that together. They'll come into your school, um, present the workshops, and then the students get a chance to actually see the production and talk with the artist. August was a monologue competition. You know, the great August Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they came to Young Women. Steppenwolf came to Young Women. Mm-hmm. They've also come to the other schools I've been involved with. And that's just a chance for students to present themselves, learn, here's the word, black thematic material. Mm-hmm. Okay, Learn it, appreciate his greatness, and hopefully you get a chance to move to New York. Not move to New York, but move on to New York for the finals. Mm-hmm. The Viola Project also gives a chance for students to, to dig deeper into Shakespeare. Into Shakespeare. And they're not afraid to go to, to, to visit the fact that Shakespeare looked like African-American students. Mm. That's where they go with that, too. And so it's all real. It's so all those are the projects real. that I'm working on. I'm, 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 I'm going to do my best to stay busy once everything gets back up. Yes, and it is going to get back up. So. Yes. Thank you for everything that you have done, Mr. Cheney. Everything that you've done, it is, it was, and it always will be worth it. Well, thank you very much. And this is my new, this is my new saying. Stay brilliant, be brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Black Educators Matter. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a black teacher today.